Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Oh Shit with Odina. I hope you are all having a great week. As of right now, it is a Thursday for me, but you guys are probably not going to hear this episode until a little bit later on. I haven't decided if this is going to be my episode two or my episode three. Excitingly enough, I have a lot of new fun ideas coming up. Um, You know, going to get some guest interviews going on some cool stuff which of course I don't have anyone famous because I'm not even a micro celebrity uh but people from my life who I think are really interesting I'm definitely going to be bringing them on really quick I want to plug the um Pennywise gas station I live next to I woke up this morning in desperate need of a coffee and I was gonna go to Starbucks but I decided to go to the Sax Grill instead because I was like, fuck it, you know, let me get some gas station coffee. Two fucking dollars. Like, holy God. Like, I don't think I'll ever pay six dollars for a goddamn coffee again because this shit is gas. Like, listen to this nice little sexy sip. Mm. Great little ASMR moment for you. Um, Yeah, that shit's gas. And this, like, lovely old Asian woman gave it to me and I had a good conversation with her. Which, not ripping on Starbucks or any other coffee place. I love good coffee places in Boone. I love Kavu's, Hatchet, Inu's, of course. But for that good, like, cheap little coffee fix, I think that Pennywise is what I needed. On to the episode topic today. I thought it might be fun to talk about love and dating and all that good stuff. Um... I think that, like, my big theme for this episode, the title of this episode is going to be Do I Believe in True Love? Um, So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Sorry, I had to take a good pause there because my B-reel went off and it's super important to me that I show everyone around me how cool I am in the podcasting studio here at App State. And speaking of Be Real and social media, I need to call myself out on something really quick. So in my first episode, I talked about how much I was enjoying not having Instagram and being off of it. (laughs) I'm officially back on Instagram. Woo! So I don't know why, but like the other night I was looking at it and I was like, okay, this is the night I'm going to delete it. And then I was like, you know what? fuck it let me get back on Instagram let me have fun with it I've like taken I want to say like a four to five month break from it I have a really like clean new perspective on myself and on my identity regarding social media so I feel like I could approach it in a much healthier way this time and I'm not gonna lie I love seeing my 8th grade math teacher's pregnancy updates. I love seeing what people from my high school are up to. I mean, holy shit, today I found out that one of my exes just rushed Pike at his fucking college, which is a huge red flag, but I'm on good terms with him, so, you know, whatever. Um, But, you know, I like being back on social media, or at least back on Instagram. I'm enjoying it so far. I think it's fun. And, you know... The small evil part of me that is toxic and begrudging is truly hoping that my ex checks out my Instagram and sees how awesome and sexy and amazing I'm doing without him. Which is a great segue into our topic today. So let's start talking about love. 
And I guess let's talk about me and love. So, oh, holy shit. Where do I even start? I really, I'm going to have to take a moment and think about it. I'm not going to lie. So, I guess, okay. The main question I'm trying to address is, do I believe in true love? And my answer to that is yes. I do, I do believe in true love. I, however, have just come across many barriers in discovering if it really exists or not. So, starting off with some of my dating history, um, you know, in middle school, we all had our boyfriends and girlfriends and everything like that. And I don't really count any of them very much so. Um, I mentioned the one Pike X earlier. He's someone who I dated for like six months in ninth grade. And I really only referred to him as my ex in that context because I think it's funny. But really, I don't even consider him that way. Um, I think of, he's a good friend of mine now. Or not a good friend, but we're on good terms. We can talk and have good conversations. We get along. So I don't even reference him as an ex. However, I do have one gleamingly beautiful ex, which is worth mentioning. Um in regards to a serious, like, when I'm talking about an ex, to consider someone, like, a true ex, I'm talking about a serious, committed relationship, um, and in that retrospect, I only have one that I really count, um, and we broke up about eight months ago, maybe nine, eight or nine months ago, if it's November, somewhere around there, Um, and yeah, that's just a really fun story. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get into that story today, but we will brush up. It's, it's very fundamental to me answering the question if I believe in true love or not. So we let's, let's go over some details of it. Him and I began dating when we were both 14. Um, we met in high school, good time, whatever. And really, dating from the age of, like, 14 to 16 is, like, so, (laughs) it's, I don't even want to count it as dating because it's, like, oh, my God, I'm holding your hand. And, oh, my God, your hand is on my waist. And me being the little trauma girly I was was so touch-starved and so physically needy and deprived that anyone giving me any sort of physical attention was just fireworks in my head. Story as old as time, him and I dated through high school, big old high school sweethearts, we did proms together, homecomings together, perfect, amazing, beautiful, um, go on trips together, we both lost our virginity to each other, um, which I'll give him credit for, hey, I think if I were to pick a better situation to have lost my virginity and I couldn't have it was very healthy it was consensual it was comfortable um so you know I'll give him credit where credit's due but story as old as time uh high school came to an end I decided to go to college he didn't um and I'll never forget the first I think I had been in college three days the first time he came and visited me and already on the first day, we were having crying, sobbing arguments about what was going to happen to us and if we were going to stay together. 
I wanted to join the Peace Corps. He wanted to join the military. And this should have been the red flag in which I left. But it was really funny how he, in his eyes, could go to the military and I would stay with him. But if I went to the Peace Corps, he was so scared of me cheating that he'd rather just end our relationship. So already this early into my college career, I am deciding, okay, I'm going to change my major for this guy so that I can have other viable options than the dream I've had of joining the Peace Corps since I was a young child, just so that I could stay together with this man. Which, a first piece of advice I'd love to give to any listeners, if you're having to make decisions like that, and if you're having a partner who doesn't want to work with you on your personal goals and doesn't want to aid you in that way, then already, red flag, get out. But I was what I was, and at this point in our relationship, we had been together for two and a half three years maybe actually shoot probably more like three and a half years um and you know he was important to me he was the most important person in my life he was who I went to and um beyond any of that mushy gushy bullshit he was the person who I had trauma bonded myself to and our relationship was the result of me being in safety mode or survival mode, I think is a better term. Which, survival mode, I don't know if I'm, I'm really not trying to get into all the mental health stuff today, but that is a topic that will be discussed in another episode, hopefully. So, moral of the story so far is that I truly was in love with this guy to what capacity I understood love to be at that time. Um... And, you know, it was great. It was awesome. I mean, anyone in long-term committed relationships, you know there are... Well, let me not even say that. Let me say this. Anyone who has been in a toxic relationship understands the phrase, oh, relationships are so much work, and relationships just take a lot of sacrifice and a lot of give and take, and, you know, some days you love them, some days you don't. Let me stop you right fucking there. If you are saying that shit, you are in a toxic relationship. You think about breaking up with him at least once a week or her once a week or them once a week. Don't want to, you know, stereotype. Um, And you need to get the fuck out of it. Like, straight up. As someone who has been there, you need to get out of it. I cannot name how many times I told myself, oh, I just, I'm so mad at him. And I don't feel like I should be with him. But our anniversary is coming up or Valentine's Day is coming up or, oh, well, we were going to go on this date. Bitch, there is always a fucking excuse. Stop making excuses for yourself and get out of it or you're going to end up where I did, which let's get into that part. So originally, you know, thinking about this episode and sharing this information, I was like, maybe I shouldn't share this aspect about him because maybe it isn't my place to. Maybe I shouldn't share it. But upon further introspection, I've decided, you know what? If he was man enough to take this action out, he's man enough to face the repercussions of it, which I will not name drop. And I'm sure some of you listening know who he is. I'm sure some of you don't. But either way, 
it's something that I had to deal with. It's something that happened to me, and it is mine to share, so I will share it. The first time my ex hit me was summer of 2021. And the story as to how that happened, I don't I don't want to give details on. I'll be completely honest. That's revisiting a very traumatic experience and I'm comfortable enough to say that I don't want to share that. Um, but that's the first time it happened. And that was one of the first times I really thought about breaking up with him. Anyone who has dealt with any type of physicalities in their relationship, you know, I think kind of understands that moment where you sit there and you say, oh, my God, did this really happen to me? And, oh, my God, can I believe that this is something that I'm truly dealing with? Um, It was extremely disheartening. I remember he did it. I broke down crying. I looked at him and I said, I, I, I don't even remember what I said, honestly. It was so saddening and so hard to deal with when you have someone who you love hit you straight up. I think if I could go back to 17-year-old Odina and say one thing, I would go to her and I would say, Odina, the fact that you were going home and Googling on Reddit, Googling on Reddit, I feel like that's an oxymoron, looking on Reddit and saying, my partner just hit me, will it happen again? My partner, you know, oh, do I have to worry about my partner abusing me? That's not a good sign babes oh my gosh and again it's easy for me to go back and say oh if only you'd known if only you could have had the perspective you do now but sadly we don't we don't have that perspective and we don't have that intuition or you know that outside opinion at that age so that's what I did I (laughs) I got out of his car, I went inside, I cried, and then I got on Reddit. And I started looking at threads of, uh, you know, oh, will my partner hit me again? Will this happen again? And there was one comment I saw that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And it stuck with me in that moment. And it was someone, they commented, they said, listen, if this is the first time he hit you, you're you're not going to break up with him. You're going to let it happen again. But that's the part. It's going to happen again. And that that's it. That's a sentence that has stuck with me. It's going to happen again. And I remember so distinctively reading that and thinking, no, he wouldn't do that to me again. Like, why would he? That was a one-time thing. He would never do that to me again. I proceeded to text him and I said, hey, babe, you're, you're not going to hit me again, right? And he goes, no, of course not. I won't do that to you again. Which... The amount of unapologetic he was the first time he hit me, again, should have been another sign that I needed to leave him, but it wasn't, and it took me some pretty good signs before I left. Um, Speaking of signs, you know, a good saying I like to talk about is, you know, the universe will send you signs. If you ask the universe to answer questions, it will. And I remember that summer I remember I think I was just like driving one day and I remember like you know any of my sexy spiritual baddies out there have felt this but you know when your universe or your deity or whatever it is you pray to or manifest to reaches out to you the communication feels like it's coming from your intuition you know it's I I definitely 
believe that our intuitions are just our guardian angels. Um, So when the universe communicates with you, it's through your intuition. And I remember intuitively hearing these exact words. I heard, if you keep ignoring the signs, the signs are going to stop coming. And I did ignore the signs. I ignored the signs for a long time because I was so in love and I was so infatuated and I thought I was so happy. And (laughs) the real kicker was I was engaged. So let me preface this by saying I do not want to. I know I just said it, but I'm not. I was never officially quote unquote engaged, but I say I was engaged because here's the thing. We'd had conversations about our wedding. We'd had conversations about how we want to get married. We'd made a life plan, a yearly plan for, oh, hey, I'm going to graduate. You're going to be here. I'm going to be here. And this is where we're going to have our wedding. We talked about guest lists. We talked about the cake. We talked about what we were going to wear. I had my dress picked out. And most importantly, there was a ring. I found the ring. I found the ring in his glove box. In fact, I found the ring in his glove box the day before we went on a vacation to Florida where apparently he was going to propose to me. Which, for me, I so badly wanted to be engaged. Because at this point in our relationship, I was giving up joining the Peace Corps, and I was giving up dating in college, and I was giving up exploring all these other things that truly you can only do as a single person. I was giving up a lot. And I believe I said to him one day, hey, if you want me to give up these things, I need to have a ring on my finger. If you want me to give up these things, I have to know that there is an end goal I'm working towards, which, to be fair, may have been toxic on my part. Something I do try to do in terms of our relationship is acknowledge the places where I was wrong and acknowledge that, hey, I was a toxic person in many aspects. This isn't me just trying to shit on my ex. This is me talking about the whole situation. And, excuse me, there are many places in our relationship where I was imperfect. But if I knew anything, it was that I wanted that damn ring. And (laughs) another just really fucked up thing, if I'm being honest, was... I remember asking him about the ring, like, after our vacation. Like, you know, we talked about it. And he was like, yeah, I was going to propose to you, but then you made me mad, so I decided not to. (laughs) Which, like, that in and of itself is just so fucking... (laughs) Oh, gosh. Which, by the way, I know how I made him mad, and me making him mad was me having anxiety and depression so unmedicated and so severe that there were parts of our vacation that I messed up which being on medication and going to therapy it's not something that I began to do until after our breakup because I just oh gosh the lack of support in that field from him was incredibly prevalent And it just, you know, it didn't, I I don't know how else to explain it. It wasn't something that seemed important to him. So therefore, it was something that didn't feel important to me. But back on to our main topic. Um, Let's get to the closer on me and his story. Um, It was my fall break, my freshman year. 
I went back home for the week, spent the whole week with him. Um, my car broke down, spent the night at his house that night because we had to get picked up, and it was a whole deal, whole messy situation. Um, didn't get back till 2 a.m. And, you know, I hope maybe this part will resonate with some of you because talking about my ex and talking about my relationship, a lot of people in my current life only know him as, oh, that's the asshole you dated who fucking hit you and he's a terrible fucking person. And here's the thing, here's the thing. I hold plenty of anger in my heart for him, but I also completely acknowledge that I was in love with this man and I was prepared to marry him. And I don't feel bad about that because I loved him to the capacity I could, and maybe a part of me always will. But, um, you know, I remember waking up that morning and rolling over in bed and looking at him and just thinking, God, I am so lucky to have you. And I'm so lucky that in a world where my 96 Buick Sabre constantly breaks down and I'm stressed out about classes and I don't know what I'm going to do with my future and I constantly feel like I'm messing up and I have anxiety and depression with all that shit, with everything. I'm so thankful that I have you. And then 30 minutes later, in his car, he hit me. And that's really all I want to share about that at that moment. I don't want to go into the details of how he did because... As a young woman, I mean, constantly, people are asking, oh, how hard did he hit you? Did he bruise you? Did he do this? Did he do that? Because people love to try and validate my trauma for me. And people love to try and decide on their terms to what extent I'm allowed to be upset, which is fucking bullshit. I straight up, I can recollect someone um, from my hometown speaking to a friend of mine saying, you know... If he didn't leave a mark, did he really hit her? People have made assumptions that I cheated on him because I am a local harlot, if you will. Um, (laughs) Or as the boys from my hometown like to say, a quote-unquote dick-crazy girl. Which, hey, you know what? I'll fucking stand by that title. Um, But, yeah, that was, that's fun. So, yeah, I think what's really important to note about me and his breakup is that it happened like that. Like, it was literally, I mean, one morning I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to marry you. And an hour later, I'm like, you are the worst fucking person ever, which is hard to deal with. It's a hard way to feel about someone. It's like... You know, I I love using analogies regarding emotions and trying to compress that insane of an emotional thing happening is like trying to catch a deer with a butterfly net. (laughs) That's the best, that's the best way I can think of describing it. Maybe if you couldn't tell that I'm from the South before, now you can. And really... The hardest part about his and I break up, his and I, his and mine's, I don't fucking know, I was homeschooled, don't give me shit for my grammar. The hardest part about our breakup was 
having to uh, deal with the guilt and shame I felt surrounding my family because he had worked so hard to isolate me from friends and family. I remember, you know, being in college, it was really hard because I constantly felt alone. I felt like I wasn't making friends. I felt like I couldn't find people to relate to. And now I look back and I say, oh, it's literally because he actively worked to make sure that you didn't have a good support system and that you didn't have good people around you. So it's really funny because this is now me speaking a few hours after that last sentence. Um, after all that emotional stuff, I had a meeting and then I had uh, work and oh, just take, taking a deep sigh for a moment and whew, letting that breath out. Um, yeah, so throwback to that coffee I mentioned um, at the beginning of this episode. I completely renounced everything I said about it. That coffee fucked me up. I was absolutely wired for the rest of the day. Horrible anxiety. Um, and the coffee shits, oh my fucking god. If you're a um, frequent coffee drinker, you understand, or even a regular coffee drinker at this fucking point, you understand what I'm talking about. And I'm talking them kind of coffee shits where you're pulling both of your legs up onto the edge of the toilet seat because, you know, you guys know what the squatty potty is where, like, everyone told us, oh, naturally we're supposed to squat to take shit. So, like, the squatty potty will help you pull your legs up and then, you know, you'll shit better. I don't know, man. Either way, I've spent many of my toilet visits today with (laughs) my heels on the edge of the toilet squatted down (laughs) which might be an overshare but it's just the truth because good lord that coffee really fucked me up oh goodness it's also so funny because the moment I sat down here you know I've been texting a friend of mine today an old friend who I hope to see soon who I have not yet told about (laughs) my previous breakup And I mentioned that I'm in my single girl era, and she goes, oh, was the breakup rough? So I thought it was really funny that I got that text the moment I sat down in regards to the theme of this podcast episode. But, yeah, back to what we were talking about before. That breakup was pretty rough. Um, That breakup did a lot to me, and I really tell people, you know... I don't even want to say I tell people because truthfully, just how I feel is that that breakup was the motive for change and the motive for me coming into who I am now, truly. Um, I have all the people that I've surrounded myself with at this point in my life only know me outside of my ex. And that is because... I really wasn't who I wanted to be or I really don't feel like I was who I am when I was with him. Now here's the fun moment where I have to take a brief intermission because I've gotten the hiccups. Something also very funny and worth noting is that um, I'm using the community audio recording studio um, in my college's library because I do not have the money or resources to afford 
all the equipment that make me sound as sultry and sexy as I do to you right now. Um, and there's someone in here before me, and it was a man, or at least I'm going to assume it was a man, which I know assuming makes an ass out of me, but my point is it smells like man in here, and it is totally fucking harshing my vibe. But the seat was warm, so I truly cannot complain that much. So, yeah, breaking up with my ex was the change in my life that I needed. Um, I started coming into really who I was, I'd say, after we broke up. Because it was funny. I was talking about how, you know, he made me feel very isolated from people. Particularly from my family, because... He was the kind of ex who would say, oh, your family doesn't love you. They don't care about you as much as I do. Your friends don't love you. They don't care about you as much as I do. Which, again, I'm going to say this, ladies and and gentlemen and they thems and whoever is out there. If you have the kind of partner who says, oh, I'm all you need, and you feel like your partner is your only fucking friend, that's a red flag. Just please heed my words if only I would have known. If only I would have known it's normal to say, huh, it's kind of weird that the only person I feel like I can talk to is my partner. It's kind of weird that the only person I feel like I'm close with is my partner. You know, if you've ever said to yourself, well, at least at the end of the day, if I don't have anyone else, I have them. Babe. Babe. But, you know, Breaking up with him brought forth some really beautiful things. Um, First of all, the week after him and I broke up, I lost the entire friend group I have, or I had, which I look back on now and I say, wow, that was a toxic friend group. It was really kind of funny and slightly traumatic the way our friendship ended. You know, they have you ever had a person do the really fucked up thing where they go, Hey, I need to talk to you. And then they wait. They wait. They wait like five minutes to respond to every text. They wait like 30 minutes to get their point across. And they fucking know they're doing it. I will stand by that. I don't care if you say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just busy. If it's important enough for you to fucking text me and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something, I expect you to be ready to have that fucking conversation. And if you're the kind of bitch who's going to sit there and make me wait and make my anxiety go up and make me feel like shit, fuck you. I will stand by that. And I know that situation by situation. And I know we can't all be perfect all the time. But don't be that fucking person. If you need to communicate with someone and if you need to have a conversation with someone, be ready to have that fucking conversation. Do not emotionally put them on the fucking line. Because honestly, God, that's just fucked up and manipulative. And I don't fuck with that at all. But yeah, it was really funny because this one person from this friend group of like, five or six girls text me and like over the span of I swear to god two hours and I was in class and it was so fucking torturous um you know texts me and is like Odina you're toxic and Odina you have only been talking about yourself lately and you know you're flirting with so-and-so's boyfriend and you're doing this which you know I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, all those bitches were fucking wrong and I was in the right. Because, you know, life isn't about right or wrong. Life is really only about situations and how they make us feel and how we respond to them. 
from my perspective, yeah, I felt like I was given a lot of information about how I'd been making them feel that I wasn't aware of and I wasn't given a chance to address it or deal with it. And maybe from their perspective, it is something that I should have been dealing with, something that maybe they tried to hint towards me, something that maybe they thought I should have picked up on sooner. And if that's how they feel, they felt, then that's fine. I mean, who, who am I to judge them? At the end of the day, again, I look back on it now and I say, yeah, that was an unhealthy friend group for me and that dynamic wasn't good for me. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm rambling about it at this point. But in regards to that, I do want to say, hey, if one of your friends just went through a traumatic breakup and the week after they're really having to talk about themselves a lot and they can't hold a lot of emotional space for you, maybe, maybe say that that's okay because maybe they've been through a traumatic thing and it's okay that they can't hold emotional space for you. So... Yeah, very realistically, at this point in time, in the week after I broke up with my ex, I was, <laughs> I was alone as fuck. I'd lost my whole friend group. I'd lost what I felt like was everyone around me. And I was just ready to make a change in my life. Um, I think one of the most beautiful things that I did was actively make the choice to read Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given. Um, and really quick, let me absolutely plug Florence Given. Now I know I have hardly any listeners. I know that no one freaking knows me, or it, most people listening to this probably do know me, which if you do, all the better. Please, please, please follow Florence Given on Instagram, listen to her podcast, read her fucking books. That woman single-handedly changed my life. In fact, I'll say it right here, right now. If this podcast ever becomes successful, which, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx myself, but, you know, whatever this podcast becomes, if I make three episodes and never do it again, it doesn't matter. But a dream of mine, an absolute dream of mine, would to be to have Florence Given as a guest on my podcast. That would absolutely if, if I did that, I could die happy. I'm just going to be so real. I love that woman so much. So in the week after I broke up with my ex, I decided to start reading Florence Given's book, Women Don't Owe You Pretty. Um, and I have a really great story about that book. When I was 16 years old, I bought it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to start reading this book. And it's about feminism it's about being a woman like in our modern world it's about how we should be perceiving ourselves and perceiving others and how we should be feeling about our sexuality and how we should be feeling just you know all that good shit and so I started reading it and 16 year old me in the conservative ass hometown that I was from the first night reading that book it changed my life so much it inspired me to stop shaving my armpits at 16 years old now Maybe my male viewers won't relate. My female identifying viewers probably will. It's really hard to stop shaving your armpits. Even now, like, on Halloween weekend, God, it was so sad because I had the most beautiful bushes under my pits, and I decided to shave them. 
And I didn't even, I didn't sleep with anyone. Like, I had no intention of sleeping anyone, but I still shaved my fucking armpits because I was like, well, if I'm going to dress like a slut, I have to have clean armpits because obviously if my armpits have hair, then I will be unattractive, which that is a whole patriarchal value, which we can deconstruct another time. But base point 16 year old Regina was ready to stop shaving her armpits within the first night of reading this book and I had a good reason to um you know I'm sure other female identifying people can relate to this that giving yourself the right to have that kind of autonomy over your own body in a world which is constantly telling you that your body is not your own is extremely powerful and you know 15 through 17 being some of the most emotionally draining years of my life having this beautiful realization of how my body could be mine and how I could want to reclaim my armpits as my own territory it was incredibly inspiring which makes this next part very very sad So I think it was the next day I went over to my ex's house, the ex that we've talked about thus far, um, and I I told him, I was like, dude, I read this book, and I'm so excited about it, and I am going to stop shaving my armpits. Oh, God, I'll never forget this. He straight up, it's so funny, he straight up told me, he was like, Odina, I will refuse to sleep with you if you grow out your armpit hair. That was so... I have to laugh at it now. I have to laugh so I don't cry. I have to laugh now for the poor 16-year-old me that cried because my boyfriend didn't want to sleep with me because of my armpit hair. And, you know, the worst part is that I did. I shaved. I shaved because I was like, oh, my God. He's going to find me so wildly unattractive. And he straight up said that to me. At 16 years old, he said, and I explained to him everything. I was like, hey, I want to stop shaving my armpits so that I feel like I have autonomy to my own body. And he was like, well, that is a bad idea because if you do that, then I will be unattracted to you and I will not want to have sex with you. (laughs) Which, oh God. (laughs) It's so bad. I just can't even, I can't even fathom which he was a 16-year-old boy, so, you know, fucking 16-year-old boys say what they want to and what the fuck ever, but let's say that was just a very um, developmental point in my perception of relationships and love, and if love is truly real, or if true love really exists, that's the title of this episode, right? And the sad thing about that situation was that book, Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Gibbon, which you'll hear me reference that book multiple times over the span of this podcast. So, you know, be ready to hear it. Um, but ever since that situation with him when I was 16 and he told me stop shaving, to, to shave my armpits, I didn't read that book again. I put that book on my shelf and I did not pick it up for three fucking years. That is how deeply the shame hit me. That is how hard that crushed me. So yes, for my male identifying viewers, if you need any kind of grasp or idea on what your words and what your views 
are to women and how your perception of us affects us, there it is for you. This person who I loved so dearly hurt me so badly that he convinced me to stop reading a book that simply told me that I had right to have autonomy over my own body. Please, just take a moment and let that resonate with you. So after our breakup, I decided to start reading it again. I said, you know what, fuck this guy, fuck everything. I am picking my book back up and I'm reading it. And I think for maybe two weeks, I'd sit down every night in my dorm room and I would read a chapter of that book. And truly, that book got me through my breakup. Again, I just can't plug it enough. If you have access to it, please get it. If you know me and you want to borrow it, let me know. I will gladly lend it to you. Um, It is, I think, every single person on this earth should read that book because it is life-changing. So we're going to call that the healthy thing that got me through my breakup. Um, You'll hear me a lot of times on this podcast reference how imperfect of a human I am, and we're all so imperfect. Um, And something I love is calling myself out on my toxicity and my bad traits because it's funny and it's healthy and self-reflective. So here I am, an 18-year-old woman, single for the first time since I was a preteen, and ready to fucking sow my wild oats, bitch. I was ready to have some motherfucking sex. I was ready to go crazy. That dick crazy I referenced earlier, I fucking went for it. I was ready. But here's the thing. You know, I was ready to be this vivacious, sexual, claiming my own body woman. And I was, and I still am. But (laughs) I didn't necessarily go about it in the correct way. So the day after my breakup, I... It was, I mean, quite literally, we broke up on the last day of my fall break. So the day after, you know, my car had broken down back home. So my mom and I drove in my minivan back up to, um, you know, my college. And it was my mom, bless her heart. She was so sweet. She talked me through the breakup the whole time. It was like a two-hour trip. She got me sushi and Starbucks. Like, I love my mother so much. (laughs) Bless that woman's heart. So she drops me off at college. I'm doing my thing. And I swear to God, I get in the elevator to go up to my dorm, and there's this man standing there. And he wasn't, like, too much to look at. I mean, he wasn't bad, obviously, but it was whatever. But here's what got me. He's holding a guitar. Yeah. And then he speaks, and he has a British accent, and I just knew. I was like, oh my fucking god. So, of course, being the bubbly, outgoing, vivacious woman I am, I start talking to this guy, and, you know, we talk, we hit it off, we exchange phone numbers, the next day we're talking. Three days after my breakup, I'm in this man's car after getting cookout making out with him. But I am very proud of myself, everyone. I did make myself wait a week after my breakup to have sex with someone else. So, woo! Let's give Odina a big round of applause because I have some form of self-control. And here's the thing. 
I think it's pretty obvious where I lean politically, let's say. When you've had a Trump supporter eat your pussy for four fucking years, you have not seen what is on the horizon of what sex can be. And oh my God, having sex with this British man, I swear to God, it was like losing my virginity for a second time. It was a complete sexual awakening. It was just this... I don't even know how else to describe it. And I'm really not trying to, like, bump it up too much because, let me remind you, this man was still kind of a piece of shit, which you'll come to hear soon why. But I will give him where credit... I will give him credit where credit is due. The sex, fucking amazing. And he was sweet. I mean, we would dress up and go out on dates and we would... He'd play guitar for me. He introduced me to his friends. He, um, you know, I remember we were, like, listening to records one night and dancing in his living room. I had, like, my mini rom-com moment, if you will. And the funny thing about us was that I'd recently gone through a breakup. He'd recently gone through a breakup. Remember this part. He'd recently gone through a breakup. Very important to the story. And... Both of us agreed that we wanted nothing serious. We just wanted to only fuck each other and go on dates with each other and spend entire weekends with each other and text each other all the time. But we weren't dating at all, keep in mind. And then poor, poor, stupid Odina. Here's the thing. That first night that we made out in his car after cookout, remember how I mentioned that? That first night I asked him how old he was. He told me he was 21. Turns out, he was actually 26. Woohoo! Yeah, super big green flag right there. And me being who I was, I was just like, oh, whatever. Okay, so what? He's 26. So what? He's eight years older than me. No big deal. Which, now in retrospect, sleeping with older people can be very fun because they are more experienced. Um, But an 18-year-old girl sleeping with a 26-year-old man... Not necessarily the healthiest thing, especially when he's lied to you about his age. There were some really funny parts, though. I remember we were laying in bed one day, and, you know, this guy's British. He's from the UK, and he's talking to me, and he's like, so, Odina, which I'm not going to attempt to do his British accent because that would be embarrassing for me, but he's like, so, Odina, he's like, what What was it like experiencing 9-11 in the U.S.? And I wholeheartedly looked at this man and I go, I was not alive. <laughs> so, you know, there are really some some fun age gaps. I think we had a, a another funny conversation about how, like, my first phone was a touchscreen and his first phone was a Nokia. Woo! Good times. So, being the heartbroken teenage girl that I am and was, you know, I... I obviously catch feelings for this guy and I'm so into him and I'm just, I'm so infatuated with him. I mean, come on. He's British. He's in a band. He's he's also super fucking smart, which I don't want to give like all the details about him because again, I'm really trying to conceal people's identities in this. Um gosh, yeah, and if you're one of these dudes I'm talking about and you hear me talking about this, first of all, um 
I am very surprised you're listening to my podcast. Uh, truly, I hope you don't. And honest to God, don't reach out to me about anything I talk about because I will not respond. <laughs> but the point is, I totally caught feelings for this man. And then one week, out of nowhere, he goes to me. Um, and of course, I didn't know why. I tried to text him and he wouldn't respond. It was awkward and weird. But I do remember the last time I saw him, I went over to his house on a Tuesday and it was super weird because he was like so, he was so adamant about me taking all my stuff with me, which again, stupid, stupid, stupid Odina at the time was just like, oh, okay, I guess he just wants me to have my things. Nope. Um, that night he manages to tell me, oh, by the way, I can't hang out this Saturday. I'm like, why? He goes, oh, well. I just have a thing with some friends. And I'm like, what thing? And he's like, it's a secret. And I'm like, the fuck? You tell me we've been fucking for a month, going on all these dates, and you can't tell me your weekend plans? Which, he was a total gaslighter. He was totally just like, oh, like, we're not dating. You don't need to know this about me. Like, you know, you don't need to... Which, by me, God! Ugh, again. I just can't help. I want to... Oh, honey. That's what I want to say to past Odina but I just let it go put it on oh no actually the worst part is he came out later that night and goes okay I guess I should just tell you I'm just like watching a movie with some friends and like it just it's supposed to be a guy thing which of course I fucking believed because yeah of course I believed it oh god so does anyone want to take a guess at what the 26-year-old man who told the 18-year-old he was 21 did that weekend? It wasn't hang out with his friends and watch a movie. It was go on a date with his ex-girlfriend. And it was get back together with his ex-girlfriend. So, oh gosh, yeah. I think a pivotal point in that story for me was that he completely stopped responding to me and everything and then blocked me on Instagram. And I still had his phone number and I called him and, you know, we talked and he told me, yeah, I got back together with my ex. I hope everything like that is okay. And, you know, no hard feelings, right? And of course I was like, oh my God, yeah, totally fine. Like, <laughs> it's totally fine. I'm so happy for you that you <laughs> got back together with your ex and I'm not at all upset. Um... I remember the next morning at 6 a.m. I went to a friend's room crying about it. Oh, gosh. Being in college, being a freshman in college is so fun, guys. So that was the end of the British man. Um, what's really funny is he still goes to my school. In fact, I saw him twice last week. <laughs> we made eye contact once and it was really funny. And, you know, I like to think that sometimes he looks at me and he at least remembers the bomb-ass sex we had because, hey, you can't deny the facts. And, of course, um, after me and him ended, his girlfriend started stalking my Instagram, which, as I mentioned, you know, my in and outs with Instagram, that was one of the main reasons I deleted it because I was very tired of having people stalk it and look at my information when I didn't want them to. You know, I had this this couple who were both five plus years older than me stalking my Instagram when they were the ones who, well, when he was the one who ended things with me. So, you know, that was hard, but it was what it was. And 
if I'm honestly speaking on it, I truly, 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 I hope they get married and have kids and make money and do their thing because maybe, you know, I like to look at the situation. I like to say I am the person who made him realize what he wanted and what he wanted was her. And if I could, if I was the person who did that for him, then I can make peace with that situation. That's not me saying, oh, hey, he's a totally fine guy. and It's all great. It's also not me saying he's a shitty guy. It's me saying that I'm entitled to find peace and life lessons in situations. And that's the one I take from that one. So after the British guy, I'd say when that ended, it was about a month out after my relationship with my previous ex had ended. Damn, this is hard to do without using their names. You know what I mean? Really having to keep track of it. Um, but it was really after the British guy that I began to do the serious self-reflection and do the internal work that came from, you know, being newly single and being on my path to self-discovery. Um, and, you know, it was what it was. It wasn't great. It, you know, figuring out who you are isn't a beautiful, I mean, it is a beautiful process, but it's not some like, you know, oh my God, I wake up in the morning and drink warm lemon water and I meditate and I know the self, you know, it's not like that. A lot of it is crying in my room, listening to Lana Del Rey, and journaling my fucking ass off. Holy shit. The way that I completely went through this journal after my breakup. Finished it in like two months, I swear to God. But it is a really beautiful thing. Now, ever since the British man situation, I will say I really have not had much more than hookups, um, which I've had quite a few of, um, some of which I'm happy with, some of which I'm not proud of, none of which I regret because I don't believe in regretting things, um, but, you know, lots of life lessons learned from them, definitely, and lots of funny stories that you guys will get to hear about sometime. Over the summer, um, you know, I really spent, over the summer, my whole thing was that, you know, it's really funny because in my last few weeks of my freshman year in college, I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna be toxic, I'm gonna fuck, and I'm not gonna worry about anything, and that's exactly what I did. I had a lot of terrible hookups. In fact, I don't think I can name one good hookup from um, before I left for the summer, but over the summer, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, had my own apartment there, and I was working a job and meeting some interesting people. Um, didn't really have any deep, hard-hitting connections that summer. Um, you know, there was this one guy who, <laughs> I can't say his name. Um, I can't say any of their names, goddammit, but there was this one guy who I tell people, I'm like, listen, this man was dumb as a brick, 
but he had a six pack. <laughs> and that was really, uh, that was who I had for the summer. But you guys will get more stories about that dude in the future. Um, but, you know, coming back to college this year, you know, actually, I'm not, re- I'm not ready to stop talking about the summer yet because a really fundamental part was that, you know, I was living in Charlotte. I was supposed to have a three-month internship. And I decided to end it early and come home because I had a situation where I I came home and had a run-in with my parents and I decided that it was time for me to take some time with them and try to heal and work on our relationship before I moved out permanently. Because the thing is that, you know, now I have an apartment and I will, like, I'm permanently moved out of my family's home. So I wanted to spend some time with them, living with them, and, like, figuring out all my shit, you know? I also just wanted to be back home with my friends and party, one of which I may have partially been in love with at the time, but that's totally not important. <laughs> um, but, you know, it it was what it was. But upon coming back to my college town and, you know, moving back in and really kind of resuming what I would refer to as my real adult life, I I did know and I do know that what I truly want is a loving, caring relationship. Um, and I've sought that. I have sought that with some people. Actually, I'm going to be so real. I've only sought that with one person, and I got rejected pretty fucking hard. So I am really in a place where now any feelings I have for anyone, I'm very scared to share. And I'm very weary of falling in love and falling for someone again because, you know... Something I express a lot is, if you haven't picked up on it yet, I'm 19 years old. Um, And if you haven't picked up on it yet, I was engaged at 18. So, I express to a lot of people my age in regards to love and relationships that, you know, it's so hard to think about coming into another deep relationship and another deep connection with someone when... I am surrounded by so many people who have not experienced the depth of, I don't know if I want to call it love, we'll say the depth of a relationship that I have. It's it's just really hard to try and find that again with someone because, you know, I am the kind of woman who I want to get married and I think, I'm pretty sure I want to have a family and I want a monogamous, beautiful relationship. And if a relationship is not what you want, if that's not what you want, that is totally fine. But it is what I want. Um, And it's just hard wanting to date again and trying to date again when there's so many people I'm surrounded by who do not want that. And that's valid. It's fine that they don't want that. Like, I don't ever want to pry anyone to want the same thing as me. But, you know, it's just that... I can't, if this makes sense, I can't not date to marry, which I know the term dating to marry sounds so like 
hyper-Christian-like, <laughs> which I don't want to use that offensively, but it, it's so like, you know, I've, I, you know, I feel like you hear 16-year-old girls nowadays saying, oh my god, I want a date to marry, which I know I'm only a 19-year-old girl, but I'm saying from my perspective as someone who's been engaged and then done the situationship and then had the hookup phase and has you know and I'm not saying I've experienced all because I know I'm so young and I have so much more to experience I just I can't not want that level of commitment and that level of deep trusting love that I once had because the thing is that yes well I will say I I wouldn't say I hate my ex some days I do some days I don't I'll say I strongly dislike my ex I say I'll say that I dislike them enough to never want to speak to them again and never care, to not care at all about their life as of right now. And again, that varies day by day because some days I'm like, oh, I hope he's doing well. And other days I'm like, fuck that bitch. But, you know, it just depends on, huh, I guess it just depends on where I'm at in my moon cycle, if you will. Um, but no matter what, what him and I had at some point was love to the extent that we could give it to each other. And it was the deepest capacity love I could feel and I have ever felt up to this period in my life. And it's really hard to date without the aspect of that in mind, like having that in mind again, or without the thought of having that with someone again, because it is a beautiful thing. And it's a great thing to love someone deeply. It's a great thing to trust someone deeply, you know, huh, but again, I'll say it. The thing is that trust, I mean, you can maybe imagine trust at this point for me is a pretty hard thing to keep with people. And the thing about dating now is I just feel like there are so many cliches and so many different opinions that we are constantly trying to listen to and trying to follow. I mean, you know, the first thing everyone says is, oh my gosh, you'll find love when you stop looking for it. Other people say, oh, love something that you have to work for. Other people say, oh, love is something that will come by when you're ready for it and there's just so many different things and you know in regards to the self-healing journey I went on after that traumatic breakup and the self-healing journey I'm still on to this day and I will be till the day I die there's this whole concept of being healed and there is no such thing as being healed trying to achieve perfection and a state of total release from all pain and all trauma you've ever had is sadly something that I don't think will ever happen and while it's sad to think that that'll never happen it's also extremely relieving and extremely amazing to allow yourself to say oh hey I will never be fully healed and I will never be perfect because the thing is that when we put the pressure on ourselves to think that, oh, I will find the person I'm meant to be with when I am healed and I will find the person who I, I will find love when I am who I'm supposed to be, 
we convince ourselves that we're only allowed to deserve love when we're perfect. And we're only allowed to deserve love when we don't have problems. Which is completely, in and of itself, unfair. How unfair is it for us to tell ourselves, oh, hey, I only deserve this beautiful human connection when I am a perfect version of ourselves. A perfect version that we'll never achieve. And that's something I've been trying to balance. I'm trying to balance the fact that I can simultaneously want a beautiful, loving relationship and to find my soulmate. And I can also be okay with just hooking up with people. I can want to focus on myself and my career and my education. And I can also want to go on dates and get drunk on a Monday night and have a guy tell me about why he thinks obese people shouldn't exist, which again is a beautiful story for another time. Gosh, you men, you guys really do it for me every time, don't you? But I think the point that I've gotten to in my life is saying to myself, I have come so far and I've achieved so much and I have done so much self-work. I mean, I'm unrecognizable. In fact, I had a friend of mine once say to me, oh my gosh, Adina, I couldn't imagine you being a person other than who you are now because you are so vivaciously you, which is true, I am, but I also must recognize I was a different person at one point. I was a different person a year ago. I was, I've been a different person my whole life. So I'm acknowledging the beauty of this person that I've become and also saying that she isn't perfect and she does deserve love and she does deserve wanting a partner and wanting a relationship. But at the same time, I don't want to say that I want a partner because I feel like saying I want a partner makes me seem desperate or makes me seem like I don't know. It just feels icky in some way saying that I want a partner, which again is probably something that I need to deconstruct in and of myself, but I know I want love and I know I deserve love. Moral of the story. Now, the biggest thing that I have learned about dating is how to have standards, (laughs) which Saying, I feel like saying, oh, I've learned to have standards sounds really bitchy off the bat because you're making it sound like, oh, other people don't, which listen here, everyone has had the 12 a.m. Tinder hookup. Maybe not everyone. Most people in the dating world have had the 12 a.m. Tinder hookup. We've all had the guy who were like, "Mm, this is my first date with him and I definitely know he's not going to be my boyfriend, but I'm going to fuck him just so I get something out of it and so that this date was worth my time. Do you feel a little cold out right now? If not, good for you. If so, you are in the right place, babe. (laughs) But I think coming into having standards didn't come from any kind of, oh, let me list out my no-nos. And oh, let me say exactly what I don't want, which neither of those are bad things. But it really came from just actually like listening to my fucking intuition more. Like, hey, if you're on a date and a guy says something that you disagree with, you don't have to excuse that behavior and you don't have to 
just be okay with that. You know, you're allowed to say, oh, this isn't going to work out. In regards to saying to myself recently, okay, I want a relationship and I want something deeper than skin level, you know, I've very recently began going on dates again with nothing in mind, but, you know, the idea of wanting something deeper than a cup. Um, and it's been really fun <laughs> because I've gone on three dates and none of them have ended up in a relationship yet. The first one recently was with a boy, we'll call him, who had a Saturdays are for the boys flag in his apartment as well as a, what's the word? Oh, bar stool, a bar stool flag. So obviously I'm going to go ahead and call a no-no on that one. I mean, I won't say an absolute no, but I will say a pretty good no on that one. And you know, I did, I was kind of bitchy with the situation because I try really hard not to ghost people and I kind of ghosted him because Listen, there was nothing wrong with him. Like, there, really, he was a really nice kid, and there was nothing wrong with him. I just didn't feel it. I just wasn't attracted to him, which I think is a valid way to feel. I think that's a fair way to be about someone, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. I just wasn't feeling it with him. But I now do know that I was validated in my disinterest for him because he happens to live in the apartment building where I work and after we had let's see we had a let's call it a date on like Friday and then Saturday we were supposed to go out but we didn't because I wasn't really feeling it and I had to work <laughs> and then Sunday oh my god he came into my job with another woman <laughs> Which, again, I just want to look at these men and be like, the absolute fucking audacity you have. And the girl was a total bitch to me. Like, she was so rude. She gave me the sneak eye the whole time. It was a whole freaking thing. And I was just nice because I was like, oh, my God, this is so interesting to observe. Um, But, yeah, man, it just, it, it does really blow my mind sometimes the way people respond to things. So yeah, I originally was like, you know what? Maybe second date after that happened. Absolutely not. So yeah, that came to an end very quickly. But again, I'm not perfect and I make really interesting mistakes, which I think affect me karmically. Um, <laughs> so the day that I was supposed to go on a date with that first guy, I actually went on a date with a different guy. And Listen, this guy was cute. He was nice. But in the span of an hour of sitting down with him and drinking coffee, he was able to mention his Kratom addiction. Him, I mean, he quite literally referred to himself as a capitalist. He, he somehow, which I don't know how this came up, asked me if my family originated from slave money 
and in that same conversation proceeded to tell me about how he knows his family did and that they're wealthy because of it which here's what I'll say most white people in the U.S. come from slave money it's extremely possible that there is slave money in my family like you know I don't I don't fucking know I'll be honest my family's full of a bunch of hillbillies and Appalachians and also I've got Iowa and fucking I don't know I'm Polish holy shit I don't know I'm mixed I'm a fucking mutt but I just don't think that you should ask a woman on a first date if her family comes from slave money <laughs> um which no I'm willing to say I do not align with um someone who will refer to themselves as a capitalist if you like capitalism First of all, how does it feel to have all that privilege? Second of all, I don't really care. Like, have your own fucking opinion, but I'm allowed to say it's not for me. As someone who studies global trade and development and, you know, economic systems and how exploitative they are of people, I will stand by the fact that I do not like capitalism. So my third and most recent date since I began my dating for a relationship era was with this one dude who I was really excited about and it hurts so badly um you know we texted and it was a Monday night and he was like when can we get together and hang out and I was like fuck it you feeling spontaneous want to go out tonight and he was like yeah let's do it so he picks me up my first kind of, I don't want to call this a red flag, but my first kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I really don't like it when guys show up and don't even get out of their car. Like, don't sit in your car and text me here on a first date. Like, you know, come to my door, knock on it. Like, I don't want fucking flowers. I'm not expecting you to meet my goddamn parents, but bitch, this is not fucking Uber. <laughs> like, shit, we're about to, I'm trying to get to know you and you expect me to, it just, it just seems disrespectful. And to be fair, I'm also the kind of girl who I like when a guy walks on the uh, side of the sidewalk closest to the road. Um, you know, I like when a guy opens doors for me. I love when a man opens my car door for me. You know, it just, it's just, it, I, I think it just shows respect and kindness and niceness. And of course I'll do that for people as well, but yeah, I don't like it when a person's just like, oh, here. So that was my first bad sign from the dude. But then we go to this bar, um, and lucky little me, I got to the bar before they started IDing people, and this guy was of legal drinking age, so he was able to order drinks, and we were able to sit at our table and drink them openly, because at that point, they were IDing people, and I was already in there, so they thought I was 21, and fuck it, I'm not gonna lie, or, I mean, wait, I am gonna lie, I'm not going to expose myself, like, fuck it, if this man's gonna buy me some free fucking drinks, I'm gonna drink them, and it was going okay at this point in the night you know he really hadn't been asking me any questions about myself and it was really frustrating to me because I hate it when people don't like that's a red flag to not ask your partner any questions about themselves are you just not interested like why are we on this date if you don't want to know about me and so I straight up said to him at one point in the night I was like listen dude I'm a fucking catch and you need to start asking me more about myself because I'm really interesting and so he did, and so 
we were drinking and getting to know each other better. And, you know, we started playing a game where we were asking each other questions back and forth. And, oh, we were being flirty. Oh, my God, what's the craziest place you've ever had sex? And, oh, my gosh, what's your favorite position? And, you know, just, you know, fucking stupid flirty shit like that. And then I ask him, okay, what's your most controversial opinion? I love asking men this question. I fucking love it. Because if they have any stupid ass shit that I need to know about, I learn about it right then. It's the best. Listen, everyone take this tip. When you're on a date with someone, anyone of any gender, ask them a question. Even over fucking Tinder or a dating app, whatever. Even if you have a friend who you're interested in and you are thinking about dating them, ask them this question. What's your most controversial opinion? Because they will say... If they say something that's not that crazy, like, I think someone told me conspiracy theories once, okay, that's not bad. For me, personally, I tell people that I don't like chocolate and peanut butter together. But, you know, (laughs) this guy really went off the deep end. So, I ask him this question. He goes, you know, I just don't think that obesity should be encouraged in our modern society. And here's the thing. I think men... I Again, I, I feel bad that I keep saying I think men. So I'm going to try to do better about that. I think, But it just it is. It's from a patriarchal standpoint, so I have to speak on it. It is people, though. I think people think that they are being smart or, like, very well thought out when they talk about their feelings on obese people. And the thing is that a lot of people don't understand that your dislike of fat people comes from not, you don't give a fuck about their health. Let me say that very much. If you're the kind of person who's going to sit there and say, oh yeah, I just don't encourage obesity and fat people. First of all, you don't give a fuck about your health because if you gave a fuck about people's health, you'd be talking about people with anorexia. You'd be talking about bodybuilders because listen if you don't know about the fucking health hazards of being a bodybuilder holy shit you know women bodybuilders commonly lose their fucking periods that is insanity that is crazy but anywho you don't give a fuck about the fat person's health you give a fuck about the fact that they're fat and you're not attracted to them call it what it is cut the bullshit so obviously this guy telling me oh i just don't like obese people i'm like oh okay so Already off the bat, I know what I need to know about you and your perception of fucking weight and people and, you know, how people look. It was so interesting because we get into this whole conversation and he's like, yeah, you know, I just, he's like, I just don't think that like 300 pound people should exist. And I look at him and I go, you know, that weight is completely subjective, right? For me, You know, I'd almost be comfortable enough sharing my weight on here. I don't know if I am, which is fine. I'm entitled to be private about the things that I want to. But, you know, my weight surprises people because I don't look my weight. But I say that to prove a point. Weight is so completely fucking subjective and so completely irrelevant from so many things. And so for him to say, oh, I just don't think 300 pound people should exist. Okay, what about the fucking bodybuilders that you apparently love and want to look like? 
I also, I love it when a guy goes, yeah, I don't mind a girl with a little bit of chub on her, though. Like, more stuff to hold. Oh, okay, so you don't mind a girl with a fat-ass big titties and a flat stomach is what you're saying. Again, call it like it is. Here's my thing. If you're going to be a sexist prick who doesn't like fat people and who doesn't like normal-looking humans, you're entitled to that. I'm not going to tell you that you have to like everyone. I surely will think in my own head, oh, hey, you definitely have some patriarchal values rooted deep inside of you. But again, you know what? This is America. This is the world. You're human. You have free will. You're entitled to your own opinion. Just don't cover your bullshit and lies about caring about people's health and caring about people's well-fucking-being when you don't. You care about who you want to fuck and who you don't want to fuck. So please, just call it like it is. So already, this man... I'm like, okay, so I'm definitely not going to date you. But again, I'm still sitting there getting free drinks, having some good food, and I was having a good time. So, you know, I continue all the conversation. He continues to go, and you know what else? You know what other controversial opinion I have? And I'm like, oh, God, what could it be? And he goes, I just think women are toxic. Oh my fucking god, I can't even believe people like this exist, (laughs) y'all. On a first fucking date, on a first fucking date with a person as attractive as I, this man's already fucking telling me, yeah, I just think women are toxic. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on to tell me, oh yeah, women are so much more toxic than men. He gives me examples of women being toxic. He talks about how he thinks women are untrustable, etc., It was really funny because quite literally, at this point, I was done. I sat there. I finished my drink. I listened to him. And then I look at him and I said, hey, I have a paper due. Can you take me home? (laughs) And he did. He took me home. I said goodbye. I told him I had a good time because I did. I won't lie about that. But I just knew it wasn't going anywhere. And it's really funny because, like, that whole night he texts me. He's like, oh, dude, I feel like I said, like, such stupid things, and I was like, okay, yeah, you definitely did, but I wasn't gonna tell him that, I just said LOL, and he was like, I should have, like, he was like, I'm, I'm sorry if I, like, totally put you off, and I was like, it's fine, uh, because I think it's funny when they try to apologize, because it's like, you're not gonna fucking put me back on, <laughs> like, you've said, you've said your piece, bro, like, you've made your point clear, I don't, I, I'll believe you the first time, my dude, so, you know, that was pretty funny. But the funnier part was the next day he texts me going, hey, I know I totally killed the vibes, but if you ever wanted something more casual, I think we all know what that means, uh, just text me sometime and let me know. <laughs> oh my fucking God. Yes, this is what it is like here. This is what it's like out here, actually trying to have meaningful relationships with people. It is a battlefield. I watched um, 13 Going on 30 for the first time in my life last night. Amazing movie, by the way. I'm really disappointed that I've never seen it before. And I really loved seeing her, um, you know, keep saying, love is a battlefield. (laughs) Like from that song thought it was cute and worth mentioning. And again, I just want to plug that movie because I really enjoyed it. But I do have hope. I had a coworker today tell me about how she met her partner and their beautiful little love story. And I said, wow, you total fucking bitch. Shut the fuck up. 
No, I'm just kidding. I promise I'm not spiteful and hateful of people. I'm very happy for them. Um, you know, I think that realistically, I'm just in a place where I know the love that I deserve and I know what I want from someone and I'm okay sitting with myself and being content in myself until I find someone who matches that because I tell people I'm not looking for another half I am completely whole on my own and that is something I think we all need to recognize is we need to stop looking for our other halves we need to look for the people who make us feel like we are 100% plus more I am whole Plus, I have you to share my experiences with. And, you know, I think that that can be a really beautiful thing. And I know that that's something that I'll find one day. And you know what? Even if I don't, again, at the end of the day, I'm whole on my own. And I'm satisfied with that. I'm very happy with that. Um, so, you know, stay hopeful. Stay thinking about it. If I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you guys will hear about it. Um, but it is what it is, and I don't feel like any kind of sadness, I don't feel any kind of emptiness, because I, I don't feel, I don't feel like I need another half, again, just returning to that analogy, I don't feel like I need another half, what I feel is that I am a very loving person, and I have love to give, and I love to find someone who makes me want to give that love to them. But if I don't, it is what it is. And you know what? I'll keep doing my shit. <laughs> I'll keep making my fucking podcast. I will keep doing school and journaling and eating good ass food and telling funny fucking stories from my life. With that being said, um, I think I'm going to go ahead and bring us to an end here. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to all my friends who are listening. Uh, truly... You know, today I had, for the first time, I, like, put it out there officially that I have a podcast. And the amount of you who reached out to me and were just like, oh, my God, Odina, this is funny. This is hilarious. This is sweet and beautiful. Honest to God, you people have, like, brought me to tears. Um, I think that for a very long time, I've felt like a person who takes up too much space. Um, and for the, my bad bitches with big personalities, maybe you relate, but it's hard to be a person feeling like you take up space and feeling like you don't have an area to express yourself and express your ideas. And the fact that I can take up space and those of you who are here actively want to be in my space is beautiful and is just something that truly warms my heart. But with that being said, enough of this mushy, gushy bullshit. I hope you guys have an amazing night. I hope you guys sleep well, or I hope your day goes well, or I hope good luck on that essay, good luck on your exam, good luck at work today, good luck brushing your teeth. I hope your date goes well. I hope, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about you, whoever you are, and I'm gonna hope that it goes well for you. All right, I'll catch y'all next time. Thank you.